Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. So we're recording for Invincible, but I thought we were recording for Inside Out. I'm sorry, not Inside Out. What is it? Inside? What was... I Now I don't even remember what we... Yeah, we were going to do Inside... But then, no, but then Dan, no, what's the timeline? Daniel then, Daniel then thought we were doing Invincible. So now we're sitting here doing Invincible, which is exciting. But I'm, I mean, if you've, if anyone has watched Bo Burnham's Inside yet and was like, yeah, I can't wait to hear what these podcasters are going to think about with that. And they're going to prepare for it. And they're going to be in the headspace for it. I was not in the headspace to talk about Invincible, man. So we'll see how this goes. And I'm sure as this continues, Daniel, either you'll carry this episode or I will have gone full Omni-Man and I'll take complete control of this episode uh, and demand your respect or something. I don't know. What's up, Dan? How you doing? That was a very um, anxiety-inducing 30 seconds of audio. (laughs) Yeah, right. Oh my gosh, you threatened me with Omni-Man. No, it's just like you're... First off, whenever we do these, you just you'll just launch into whatever you you're gonna say, and you just just you just started talking, and you had you, you, it was like your mouth and brain didn't know what the what the, <laughs> what the other one was doing. You're just like we we're supposed to record for Inside Out. And I was just like, <laughs> I thought about like interjecting to be like, oh, you mean Inside? But I just decided to let see where that went. It just kept getting worse. <laughs> just start talking about sadness and happiness as they go travel through like the inner recesses of Bo Burnham's brain <laughs> during COVID-19. Yeah, I was... I don't know why I didn't... wasn't prepared for Inside, because you texted me, you're like, hey, we should record for Inside. I was like, that's a great idea. And you're like, you, you, you'll have it watched by by tomorrow, right? And I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> and I don't know if I just, like... I'm not going to use this as an excuse all the time, but everyone, everyone who's in ministry probably can relate to this it's not nearly as, i don't have it nearly as bad as some people i know but you just you just get a lot of messages all the time and so i've gotten this pattern of just being like oh yeah sure to like almost every message i get cool because just texting back cool <laughs> technically it doesn't mean yes or no just like yeah, yeah. just acknowledgement of re- reception um and i probably just did that also like i also had to help out with youth group um which is weird because i don't like kids like at all um but like they were talking about loki and i was like yeah loki and so i was like in my brain i was like loki 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 and then he sent me the link for this (laughs) and it was like bo burnham's inside i was like oh no and so um, i don't hate i don't hate kids i just don't like get them there's something about the ages of like Wait, Ten. what are you talking about kids now for? Why did you t- No, because I just often was like, I don't like kids. And I was like, well, I don't know if I want I don't know if I want that just to hang in the air forever. Says the guy who's working in youth group or was asked for yeah. a minute to do youth group. I something about the ages of ten to like eighteen just don't connect with me. I just it's this weird mixture of like they're self aware enough to be mean. And like, but not understand sarcasm half the time. But they, but they don't, they don't have like all their empathy juices in their brain haven't activated yet. Right. And it's not until like college is great because it's like they still 
they're still dumb enough to dream and to have <laughs> idea. they want to do stuff. They're like, I'm going to change the world, but there's and mature and smart enough to have like, conversations. So it's like, that's a hopeful age to work with. I like working with college students because you can like help mold them into their future and stuff. Well, teenagers, it's like half the time. I don't understand what they're talking about. And the other half of the time, they're just saying things that are mean. It's a whole other language. Yeah. Zoomer language. And I'm like ashamed that half the time I do know what they're talking about. I'm just like, I'm too old to know <laughs> to know what this is. I shouldn't be able to be a part of this conversation. And so you reorient your gaze to the boomers for your ridicule. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a growing generation of people around my age, which I realize people probably listen to this don't know, but I'm closer to 30 than 20. That's what I'll say. <laughs> but it's like weird where like, I don't know if it's just my generation of people who are really immature, but I don't feel quite comfortable around like 50 and 40 year olds. And I obviously am too old to hang out with like teenagers, but like, <laughs> we're also about to talk about a cartoon that we watched on Amazon Prime. <laughs> so like, yeah, <laughs> that like your 13 year old kind of scary gun owning cousin probably <laughs> loves <laughs> and nobody understands him, but someone really should or else something bad's going to happen. Although I'll, in my defense, my 40 year old pastor I work with was the first person to ask me if I'd seen this. He was like, have you watched Invincible yet? And I was like, no. Should you have seen Invincible? <laughs> you know? Yeah. He also has watched all of the boys, apparently. So it's weird. <laughs> he like doesn't watch any Marvel movies or DC movies, but he watches he watches TV shows. So he's seen all of like Game of Thrones and stuff. I don't he's just a TV show like junkie. I don't know what it is. There's a different kind of investment and like excitement to a long running series, but for me, that's just risk. It just means you can do you can nosedive. Like Falcon, which is only six episodes, but Falcon was exactly that, where it's like, you can put all this investment, you can forgive dumb decisions, but then if like the ending is very sour and disappointing and is just sort of like, I don't know, a ruined climax, it's just frustrating. It's so like, why'd you do this to me for six hours? (laughs) why, Why couldn't you just be 90 minutes <laughs> so that if yeah. i'm disappointed at least the sun's still out <laughs> i don't know it's just i i completely understand but i also am glad to just be more of a movie guy than a show guy right yeah but here we are exactly three episodes in a row <laughs> talking about shows so <laughs> what do i know well this was the t- this was the period of human history where everyone became a binger you know it's true and then COVID 19 yeah. definitely made people bingers um yeah. i mean what was it um there's a YouTube group we watch called Red Letter Media, and one of the hosts literally during quarantine was like, I'm just going to watch all of Simpsons. And he just did. It's wild. <laughs> so much so that he was even like, yeah, the show's gotten better in the last few seasons. And you're like, dude, it's 30 seasons. How much are you binging the show? <laughs> my, my favorite, one of my favorite YouTube people, Jenny Nicholson, she watched all of the Barbie animated films. <laughs> and Is and, that a newer one? Because I know she... In Land Before Time. I think so. The, the one, the last Jenny Nicholson release I saw, but didn't watch yet, was it the True Blood or what? Vampire Diaries? Oh yeah, she watched. Uh, she watched. Um, yeah, and it was just like it's two and a half hour. I've watched the video like five times. It's a great background if you're doing work or something. You can just throw it on in the background and 
do something oh else. yeah most of the time whenever like even her book readings i was like doing dishes or getting chores ah, done yeah. and the book readings were really the trigger good. warning is one of the best youtube videos ever made it's so funny it's it's so it's, funny it's a masterpiece so i guess that's our recommendation section done <laughs> moving onward daniel why don't you introduce invincible for us <laughs> i don't know if any television show is as good as jane nicholson's review of trigger warning but uh invincible is a 2021 animated television series uh, produced by Amazon Prime Video. It is, of course, based on Robert Kirkman's Invincible comic book series, which comes from Image Comics, the most consistently awesome comic book publisher in the world. Um, if you're looking for a good comic to start, uh, I'd highly recommend Image Comics. Invincible stars young Mark Grayson, voiced by Stephen Yoon, who is terrific in this. He is a boy who is the child of uh, his mom, whose name I can never remember. And Omni-Man, who is the world's most premier beloved superhero. He's a clear analog uh, for Superman. And so in the world of Invincible, we do not have recognizable Marvel or DC IP. However, there is quite a few superheroes who certainly remind us of quite a few uh, famous superheroes. Yep. However, uh, very early on, the their version of Justice League is horrifically murdered. And it's unclear to the people in the universe who did it. It's very clear to the viewers uh, simultaneous to this, Mark Grayson starts to develop superpowers. And so his father takes on trying to train him to become a superhero, uh, which Mark Grayson names himself Invincible, for which the series is named. And so for eight episodes, you simultaneously watch a mystery unfold as to what happened to the Guardians, as well as Mark Grayson coming into his own as a superhero, learning the ropes and the ins and outs of what it means to be a hero in a world that is not quite as straightforward as he perhaps once thought. Uh, so I quite enjoyed Invincible. I think I'm um, just to give give it away right at the beginning. I think Invincible is one of the most compelling and interesting recent superhero shows, movies, whatever to have come out in recent memory. I loved yeah, it so much. So much so you recommended it. I think on our first episode back, I did. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I guess <laughs> I have already recommended it, and I already say it's good. <laughs> so what did you think, Melvin? <laughs> Well, first off, I'm getting nudged by a producer named Ted. I don't know if you remember that we had a producer named Ted who's saying we got to go to a call to action real quick. So let's let's. let's oh, I was supposed to prompt you. <laughs> it's all good. Ted, Ted's here. He's got it. Can I get a take two on that? We're all good. He, we got it. Here, here's your call to action, friendos, to make sure you guys, you know, follow us on social media. There it is. Hey there, it's your friendly neighborhood call to action. Just checking in on you. Hope you're doing all right. I'm just stopping by to say, you know, if you enjoy the show, you can always subscribe and write a review for Cinematic Doctrine. There's iTunes, Podchaser, basically anywhere you listen. You can give us a shout out with a thumbs up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that too. Hey, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S. and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted, 
I thought this was like a hobby thing. You want me to expand cinematic doctrine? You know right, this already. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I forgot. I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as low as $3 a month, you can gain access to exclusive content like The Pre-Show, which features free-form and Christian-friendly discussions on all kinds of topics, as well as influence the podcast. That's right, each month you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Previous movies our lovely Patreon supporters have chosen are To All the Boys I've Loved Before, Hamilton, Onward, and American Gospel Christ Alone. Huh. You guys have good taste. Anyways, I gotta run, so I'll see you guys later. And we're back, because editing's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And the magic of editing, so wonderful. Um, I love this show, dude. I've been wanting to watch it again, and my wife really loved it. She loves comic books, she loves X-Men-style storytelling, where it's just like a lot of different characters, as opposed to just the one hero. And sort of like the acceptance of this is how it is kind of storytelling as opposed to certain Marvel film. I think I actually think like WandaVision and Falcon both show that like these are people who just exist and the world's accepted that they exist. Whereas like all of the movies have sort of always played up like they're heroes and like not like us at all. And Invincible is like they're heroes and they have the exact same problems you and I do. <laughs> like um, Adam Eve is such a good character and she's just has difficulty with her parents. Yep. So she runs away and like, that's totally normal. <laughs> and she just has the ability to make her own house as opposed to most runaways, which just take like a book bag and then, I don't know, get lost and then go back home. They wrap a bed sheet around a pole, throw it over their shoulder. Right. Exactly. The train tracks. So it goes. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's just a really fun show in that sense. It's also, I mean, if, if people know about Invincible, this is probably the first thing they're told about it is that it's ridiculously violent, but I would almost say like it's violent sparingly yeah. because only like, I would say four scenes in the show are violent. There's the initial guardians being murdered scene. There's Invincible learning that being a superhero puts you on a totally different like mortality field versus humans. There is a scene in the middle of the series, and you would probably consider that the like second act pitfall before the climax. And then there's like the final two episodes, which are just wild. Um, <laughs> absolutely wild, dude. It's like it's like if you took Man of Steel's 40-minute <laughs> just a terrible fight scene of nonsense but then like oh yeah people bleed (laughs) it's just like that's Mm. that's this this Mm. scene at the end and yet unlike man of steel the series has the audacity the the care and passion for its characters to be like the show doesn't end on this crazy scene it ends on like 40 20 to 30 minutes of resolution and character drama and that's what I don't know. It's just, it's a great show. Um, the fact that it sort of doesn't like to compare to the boys where the boys sort of plays up cynically violence. This show recognizes violence as a, as a, like a, as a narrative choice and a plot point to affect your characters. Like literally the heroes, when invincible first gets into his fight, can't do anything and just leaves. The other heroes are like, yeah, he just wasn't prepared for like the trauma that comes from like, villains killing civilians right. <laughs> and not being able to save everybody and then invincible has like as a character this 
really good side story that's only like two episodes as he's waiting to really hear how the civilian's doing because these things are affecting him. And so it's got good action. It's got weight to it. It's got good drama. It's got fantastic characters that you just you just like everybody, even though like some people you don't want to like. <laughs> and they're all just really compelling and fleshed out, even side characters that aren't there very long. Case in point, the Guardians. <laughs> they're not there. Well, they're yeah, they're a, introduced just to be taken out of the scene. There's a pretty genius way that they introduce them. Yeah, then... it's so good. And then, yeah, so I think this is a great show and I can't wait for seasons two and three. And then even, I mean, just the fact that we're even talking about it on the podcast shows that like any sexuality in the show is really just by dialogue or non-graphic non-nude situations but is like there again in the show? i don't i do not remember at all dialogue between omni-man and his wife because that's what couples do <laughs> and, um, <laughs> to make their children embarrassed and then there's just a, a drama point with adam and eve um that sort of just has to do with like oh yeah yeah, uh, yeah. 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 but otherwise like there's nothing there to be like worried about in that sense it's just you know you still might want to be a little more adult to watch the show because it can be so violent um, <laughs> um really really violent <laughs> yeah a friend of mine asked like oh is this a show i can put on while like my kid is in the room and no everyone, no <laughs> everyone was like no <laughs> yeah um 100 no this they would be going to the center by the time they're 20 because of this because <laughs> you put it on when they're in the room so i will say right off the bat from here and i will say like just go watch the show uh from here on out we're gonna address some what are technically spoilers, but they're introduced very, very early on in the series. But I think part of the power of the show is going into a blind with no context for what's going to happen without an inkling of what is to take place. Oh, yeah. My wife and I had no idea. I just knew it was violent. Yeah. And I knew it was a Kirkman property. That's it. So, yeah, it's a little cynical with Robert Kirkman's. He seems to have a he seems to lean towards nihilism, which is something we'll get into in a little bit. But there's the end of the first episode is one of the best hooks for a television show I've ever seen where it guarantees that, that you were all right, I got to watch this. I got to see what happens next or totally traumatizes you and you never want to watch more or yeah. <laughs> you're like, nope, not for me. But yeah, either way it's, you're going to exactly know whether or not this show's for you or not. So, but just to, just to spoil the ending of the first episode, um, the first episode is great in that it really does a great job of establishing the world that we live in here. This is a world of superheroes. Superheroes are borderline celebrities. They exist in every country. There is a clear, there are also villains in the traditional sense, though. I think later on the show does a good job of kind of giving more context for why they're villains, but you, you really get a sense for like, this is a world that has superheroes. They've been around for a long time. People venerate them as uh, things to be their aspirational. And there is specifically a group that is essentially this world's version of the Justice League. And Omni-Man works with them. He's not a part of them, uh, despite their best efforts to try and recruit him. And the United States government works alongside superheroes. They help uh, send them on missions. They help give them info for things that are going on. Uh, and there's a there's an extended sequence where, first off, we see the version of the Flash. And he's talking to his girlfriend. And she's complaining that he's always on the run. He never stays in one place. And... She's trying to tell him that he wants him around more. And then we see that he gets signaled to go to their base. And then we get an introductory, like two minute scene with each hero where we see that these are people with lives. They have jobs. 
Um, their version of Martian Manhunter is a fu- uh, fun kid sidekick that he takes care of. Mm-hmm. Uh, their version of Wonder Woman seemingly possibly either has a business or a romantic partner. Uh, it's never really fleshed out. But they take the time to introduce these characters. They play on the fact that we're familiar with the tropes of them or our brains can fill in the rest of the gaps. And then they all show up to the base and Omni-Man with no warning or reason just viciously violently murders them. And it is graphic. He, the flash is punching him and he's getting held in place and he's punching so hard that his hands break and you just see his limp nubs hitting Omni-Man's chest. He crushes someone's head. He uh, twists Wonder Woman's head around to break her neck. He punches through this like green ghost character. It just, it's horrible. He, he, the, their version of Aquaman's body just explodes basically. Yeah. It is shocking. It's sudden. There's no music. You just hear the crunching and crumbling and gooey sounds that come with horrible murder. And it's just this great moment of like, oh, okay. <laughs> this this <laughs> yeah. is the show we're watching. Right. And, it's genius because in the comics, I I have not read them. My friend, I, my friend uh, Liam is a huge fan of this series. When it was coming out, he tried to get me to watch, uh, read it. He gave me the first collected volume. It's sitting on my shelf. I have not read it yet. But apparently, <laughs> they don't they don't give this mystery away as, as quickly. And what the show does is so smart is they immediately go, "No, there's something off with Omni Man." Right. So the whole show, there's this running thing where you're waiting and you're waiting and you're, you're waiting, waiting to for him see. to like lose it well so like yeah. anytime he's in the scene there's suspense going on anytime he has dialogue you're thinking like yeah but you just freaking murdered these guys <laughs> but now you're being nice to your son and you're like and you're a loving husband yeah and so it makes this really like i mean what is the hitchcock thing surprise is two men sitting at a table and exp- and then the table explodes but suspense is two men sitting at a table but the audience sees the bomb underneath it and doesn't know when it goes off right yeah. and like that's this show so from the first episode you're like oh omni man's the villain and then like episode two is like come on son let's go play catch <laughs> and you're like, Dude, a heartwarming scene. yeah it's a really it's 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 so wild. And so you keep watching because you're waiting for him to like either go off or do something crazy because you're trying to learn just one more bit of information about why he did it. Yes. And you just can't keep learning. And it's just great. But then, yeah, you're you're not actually learning why he did it. You're just learning about the complexities of him as a character. And so yeah. then it just makes it harder to be like, wow, I like this character, but he just like, just out of nowhere murders these people who are saying, what are you doing? And then even as they're fighting him to try not to die, they're like, someone must be controlling Omni-Man. But like, as the show's going on, you're kind of like, I don't think anyone was controlling Omni-Man, but why did he do it? So it's just such a good hook to keep you watching yeah it is such a smart creative decision it's a good example of like somebody adapting his own material and being like you know what if i can go back then do it again this is what i would do different yeah because what it does is it adds a certain level of menace to his character where throughout the show there see these brief glimpses where he'll make a comment or he'll kind of say make say something offhand or you see him kind of get frustrated and it adds this extra layer to every action and decision he makes. And so because right. you've seen what he's capable yes, of exactly. doing and how how he can just basically belittle the humanity of particular characters to get what he wants. And so you're just like, 
Oh man, please nobody back talk to this guy. I'm not ready to see more <laughs> <Yeah>. murder. <laughs> please. It's wild, dude. And we haven't even mentioned that it's JK Simmons. <laughs> and so like and he's just always has a very domineering voice, but then he can just switch to this very comforting voice and so it's fatherly just comforting. Such a good performance for yeah. him. Yeah. It's great. Especially cuz he's known for his like J.K. Simmons is perhaps most famous for his like almost over the top domineering performances. Like everyone loves him in Whiplash, where he's just verbally abusing Miles Teller, um, yeah, yeah. which we can't blame him. Like, <laughs> but um, <laughs> the script called for it. The script called for it. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's funny listening to people talk about him on set, where he'd be like out of he'd go out of his way to be nice to everyone between takes and be Aww, like, <laughs> that's sweet. Um, or of course, J. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson, where he's like just it's very cartoony performances. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson. So perfectly cast that all comic book depictions of him have been totally reshaped. So <laughs> just be him <laughs> essentially like, yeah, an amazing Spider-Man. They didn't even have J- him, J. Jonah appear on screen. And then when the MCU did it, they were just like, we'll just get J.K. Simmons again. Yeah. Just do it again. Who cares? <laughs> but, but here it's such a, it's such a restrained measured performance where you see, you can hear his voice when he gets a little frustrated, a little upset and because of what we know about his character, or at least we know the potential of his character, right. when anytime he's given like fatherly advice, like you gotta be ready for someone sucker punches you, or you gotta be strong to make the right decision when it calls for it, you know, it's right. We're just waiting for the foot to drop because, and it's great because once the other characters start catching on, we share their frustration, we share their just like their desire just to understand. Yeah, like they don't. It's not so much everyone pretty quickly gets either an inkling or fully knows that Omni-Man did it. But what they're looking for is context. What they're looking for is a right. reason. And that's, we're very much also invested in that mystery. I would also like to give special commendation to uh, Sandra O, oh, who voices, I just looked up, Debbie is her name, Omni-Man's wife, uh, Mark's mom. Super good. She's Super good. great in that she is just as strong as any of them. There's a great scene early on where Mark is practicing his superhero landing in the backyard and he's creating a lot of holes in the backyard. And his, his mom's just like, you go to go to bed, go to bed. And he's just like, well, why don't you make me? And she very quickly puts him back in his place. She's like, Oh, like you think you're strong just because I can't physically make you do something that makes you feel like a big man. And it just immediate, like cuts him down the way a parent should in that situation. And they have a beautiful bonding moment where, you know, she recognizes her place in the universe compared to her two superpowered uh, family members. Boys, yeah, her two superpowered boys. Boys, <laughs> and, yes, exactly. Uh, but throughout, the, she stands up to Omni Man. She always like she always tells him exactly how she feels. She tells him when he's being a jerk. Uh, she is just as strong as any of them, and it's great. So the principal three voice actors all put in the work, and it's just. They anchor the entire show. Like you just really want to see maybe this family can work it out. (laughs) Maybe there's a way that um, maybe they can rehabilitate Omni-Man. Of course, by the end, realize that there's no chance of that. But maybe uh, I don't know. I mean, he does a lot of that stuff. But storytelling is the place where Darth Vader, a child killer, is redeemed and everyone accepts it. And that's why they have Darth Vader character toasters and Darth Vader magnets on there. Dancing at Disneyland. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. In front of children. <laughs> you never know when he's going to lose it. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, we could see 
I mean, now at that point, I mean, do we want to just open it up? I mean, 25 minutes in now. Look, <laughs> if you haven't, if you have not, if we have not convinced you that the hook is enough to go watch the series, then you don't care if we just talk about everything and yeah. our hopes for the future. There's three main things I like to talk about, but I, I just want to say, like, I think, um, I think it's interesting how I I like stories that really draw on deep emotions for me and really like almost like enrich the current emotion you're feeling. So like any movie can produce feelings in me, sure. But like the reason Inside Out is so enjoyable for me is because it really digs up personal emotions for me. The reason we, we were going to talk about Inside, but we'll be doing it later, is because, again, it just it causes me a lot of frustration and anger while also compassion and connection and care and love that is so strong that it's like overwhelming to the point of exhaustion. And then Invincible kind of does the same thing, especially in its last two episodes, where it's like parts of it you feel sick, parts of it you feel frustrated, parts of it you're angry, parts of it you're you're confused parts of it. You wish you could close your eyes, but because it's a train wreck and it quite literally is a train wreck that you can't look away. And, and then the like actual climax, the moment of decision of the show is invincible, still extending a hand of care to the father. That's just obliterated him by say by Omni man's decree of like, and we'll get into context, but I just, you know, I'm, I'm ranting, I'm going, but like just, (laughs) Omnifan's line of just like I can't look, stop him, folks. I tried. Right, can't. Um, this is specifically for people who've seen the series because then they understand the context. But Omni Man just going like, "Who are you going to have left? Who? What does it matter? Let's rule these people. Um, who are you going to have left?" And Invincible to just be like, "I'm going to still have you though. Like, I'll still have you, Dad. <laughs> like, why are you hurting me? You're you were both going to be alive for like six thousand years or something." Um, and it's just like, so on top of all of the trauma and the frustration and anger that you've just experienced, and I think the directors of this project so rightfully knew had to be like tenderly handled, culminate into this moment of love that you're just like, ah, come on, like, <laughs> can't handle this anymore. And then expertly does 30 minutes of resolution for every, basically every character, including the blue scientists whose names I never remember, but are my favorite characters in the entire series. <laughs> so I, it's just great, dude. I, I'm excited <laughs> to hear what your, your three things are, though, because I like I got nothing except like fangirling over here, basically, <laughs> for the series. And I just can't wait for the next season. I just hope it doesn't like nosedive because the boys apparently did. So <laughs> we'll see. Well, first off, I there's quite a bit here. If you are if you are a superhero fan, if you're somebody who is familiar with comics or is just through you know just the fact that it's a dom it's the dominating pop culture thing. If you've watched a lot of superhero television shows or movies, um, this show uses all those tropes to its advantage. Where they have like a Teen Titans team called team 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 who yeah. are apparently like what the third best superhero team according third, to instagram like most it's highest influencer or something yeah um who serve as great friends for invincible um they include a a a mixture of john constantine and um uh etrigan the demon from dc comics in that there's a, a demon dark blood uh, <laughs> yeah. who is like a demon detective which Hope i he thought comes was back. super fun yeah <laughs> Um, but what it, perhaps what I love most of all the 
the extra details is the presence of someone named Cecil, who is a government CIA guy. Yeah, who's his voice actor Wal- again? Walton uh, Goggins. Yeah, he's so good. Dude, he killed... I. I will always be the be the person to say people should watch Fat Man from last year, but he has such a good performance in that because he's it. just hamming it up. He um, he voices he voices he plays a like a uh, semi cult leader pastor guy in the movie Them That Follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you're like man, it sounds like Walton Goggins would kill at that role. You are correct. Um, Jim Gaffigan also plays a parishioner in his weird snake church. It's great. Um, but yeah, Walton Goggins is one of, one of our most like gifted character actors puts in another predictably awesome performance as this totally neutral CIA guy. He is neither a good guy nor a bad guy. He's just trying to do his job in the underhanded way that the CIA does things. So they take all of these elements that you've probably seen in a million other comic booky things and they just recontextualize all of them in a way that's really interesting where you sort of see. All right, if you're a CIA guy and you're trying to just keep everything together, like, okay, this Justice League is dead. We got to find a new team. So they're trying, they're trying to get a new team of people in and they're, they're having tryouts and stuff. Um, every time, yeah, that was almost fun. every villain they stop, the CIA somehow recruits them or brings them into the fold. Right. They stop a mad scientist who's making robots in the sewer. So they just like eventually just hire him to make more robots. I um, wish they hired the uh, the what is it the seismologist who gives himself <laughs> um, brain damage every time he uses his powers. Who also yeah. has he is an undergrad in um, <laughs> in gender was it gender studies, studies yeah feminist studies so funny and what was it his his reason for going after uh, Mount Rushmore was because he's like we should stop idolizing slave owners so he wants to destroy <laughs> Mount Rushmore and everybody watching the show is like yeah, it's not a bad <laughs> idea like all right what a surprisingly yeah. um surprisingly altruistic and <laughs> yeah you figure christians would villain. love it cuz it's like hey idol worship pretty bad yeah i think carving four people's heads in there is pretty bad he's also trying to kill people just looking at mount rushmore though so he's back oh that's right that's how we call him a villain i think he's just a complicated man doing his job <laughs> this guy who among <laughs> us doesn't have our shortcomings um, ups. <laughs> uh, but perhaps my most favorite of all is there's a character simply called robot who's voiced by zachary quinto oh my goodness great he's a great character where there's i feel bad because there's so many great things that show that get totally overshadowed by the omni-man stuff uh, but my favorite little bit is you see a character named robot who is voiced by um, spock uh, from the recent star trek films and he's sort of the leader of team team and then later the leader of the new guardians team and one of the people that gets recruited is called monster girl who is a girl who can transform into a monster but it's revealed pretty quickly that every time she transforms into a monster it takes like a week off her life like she de-ages a week and so initially when she got her abilities, she was like in her mid twenties, but now she's like, looks like a teenager and robot takes an interest in her. And I'm not going to quite give away what it is here, but it's, they have this really interesting tender relationship that develops throughout the show where you learn things about robot. And it's also one of those things where there's all these loose elements in the show. There's, this, there's your favorite characters, the, uh, the Mahler twins who are yeah, one of them is a clone. They were so just <laughs> but, so fun and they have good banter and they have banter. like, they're just complex. I don't know. I just, they're so fun. <laughs> like even what, what was the guy that he injured when they break out of prison and then later they see him again and he's just like looking sorry. good or like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and he oops. just has like an arm in a sling. Um. <laughs> yeah, didn't kill him. They didn't want to kill him. Whatever. It's just so funny. 
It's yeah, and it, his robot's whole story helps tie their because they're just in the show essentially for a while, and you're like, I don't know why they keep showing these guys, and but then because they're all awesome. pays off. I mean, they're fun <laughs> characters. There's, no, there's not a character in the show that I'm like, you could have cut them out. Right. Um, but the other trope that they play with a really well that I love is the whole superhero has a normal girlfriend thing where Zazie oh, they do beats, it really well. Yes. Um, Zazie beats is in the show as Mark's love interest. And of course, Mark is just terrible boyfriend because he's also a superhero on top of just being an awkward teenager. And she just puts up with a lot of his like being tardy and just not being great for a little bit. And eventually they actually invert the whole thing of like, okay, I got to tell her my secret identity and they handle it in such a mature, interesting way that it forces Mark to be more mature that it, yeah. it kind of like saved that whole thing. I mean, Zazie Beats is great. She's super charming, super charismatic. Um, and they, they write her really well where she's a, she's a great sort of counterbalance to Mark being his kind of aw shucks charm. But I that to me, all of that really pays off really well. And it kind of oh, helps yeah. fill out Mark as a character. Well, it's sort of like in regular show, the whole episode of is Mordecai being friend zoned? No, he's just <laughs> no. being like pathetic <laughs> and weak. He's and just needs lame. To just share what, yeah, he's just being <laughs> lame. He just needs to share his feelings. I like that in this show. Yeah, they, they cleverly resolve it in a way that's like Mark recognized the, the problem of dating a normal person. Uh, and could have just either dated a super or come clean right away because everything else is going to be way too complicated, ridiculous, and hurt the other person in the process. And I like that they don't basically put the onus on her to basically say, oh, I get it. You're justified. It's actually, no, like, I, I sort of forgive you, but I'm very still frustrated that you were too cowardly to just come clean. <laughs> like, yeah, that's really the problem is he didn't just come clean. Exactly. And so, so many of these shows, what they do is they almost kind of like put, they must put the significant other, you know, typically it's, it's a girlfriend character where why can't she just understand that? He's got so many more important things to do. Why, Why can't, can't the get woman out the just way? understand that the man has work to do? <laughs> it's it's it writes itself. <laughs> and for years, a lot of dudes, because they were the ones consuming and producing the media, thought that was all that it all that it was, all that it was. But in actuality, it's maybe you should take some time off your job, like Omni Man. What a complex <laughs> and positive uh, example that this show gives. He takes his wife on vacation and doesn't stop a dragon. He's great. She goes, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's I totally forgot. Yeah. Sometimes you got to kill the guardian. Sometimes you got to take your wife on a date. You know, men are complex. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the, or the girlfriend is just an idiot. <laughs> yeah, they do that too. It's so annoying. Like, how do you not know that? He's, you know, he's Spider-Man, Superman or whatever, you know, especially like I like that a lot of so many more recent versions of like Lois Lane, for example, they make it clear that either they talk about it pretty quickly or Lois Lane catches on really quickly because she's literally a reporter. So it's like her whole thing is investigative journalism. (laughs) And then what is it? Superman and Lois just skip that. It was like, forget it. Five minutes, they they get married. They have kids. All right, here's the show. That first episode's so good, man. <laughs> I've been meaning to check it out. I saw on a movie database, it's got like an 80% rating. I'm like, that's pretty solid it's, for a TV show. It's kind of what Smallville... Smallville is very special. I Smallville, Smallville gets too much retroactive criticism because of like the time period it took place in. This was pre-superhero boom, so it's like not their fault. But it really is kind of what Smallville should have been, which is Smallville 
the Lois and Clark stuff in Smallville is incredible. It's very underrated. Their versions of Lois and Clark Kent are some of the best that have ever existed. But it was also very much a WBCW show where like there's no comic book characters, there's no villains. Lois mm-hmm. and Clark fixes that problem right away. So it's all of the stuff I love about Lois and Clark with all the great villains and actual special effects. So that's my little recommendation in the middle of our episode. Yeah. <laughs> but all of this is window dressing because the thing everyone wants us to talk about is the last like episode of Invincible, which is one of the best season finales of any show I've ever watched because it's so satisfying. It brings everything to a head. All of this tension, all the things that we're talking about, the issues with Omni-Man and his wife, the issues with Mark and Omni-Man, the issues with what, who is Omni-Man? Why do you do this? Right. Why do you kill the Guardians? What's going on with Robot? <laughs> like everything comes to a head in the final episode. And it's just, it's it's a borderline masterpiece. And I don't know if you you had thoughts on it or... I just remember going to work and telling a, telling my boss about it, uh, not the episode, but just Invincible. And he's like, yeah, I've had everything spoiled for me. But because of that, I get to enjoy the memes like this one TikTok meme where a dude is getting ready for work. Finally, my first day working the subway. Wait, <laughs> is that Omni-Man? <laughs> and, and so uh, that's that's my contribution. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I technically I gave it way earlier <laughs> at like minute 25 of this episode. But like, I just, I just thought it was really, it's gripping. It's it like you, you summed it up perfectly. It is the culmination of everything you've been watching the series for, even the teen team growing to become the guardians and then growing how to be more than just a bunch of heroes that are on the same battlefield to a team working together. They handle incredibly well the culmination of sort of like, the family dynamics of just how horrible it is to learn that your dad just murdered the guardians, thinks your mom is just a pet and then is disappointed that you got your powers because now you're an enemy and not just somebody he can control or rule. It's quick cutaway to the baseball game while he's just wailing into his son. So we get context of like that one moment of hope that Omni-Man actually starts to understand the joy of life as opposed to just like, the domineering nature of taking over a planet. It's, it's just good, man. I, I almost like part of the reason I want to watch the series again is just to get to that ending again and to just like almost experience it again. Cause it is not, this is part of what makes watching and reading and engaging stories. So exciting is when you find the one that, you know, when you rewatch it, it'll be better. And like watching Invincible will be improved by what we know by the ending. And it'll just make like moments way more powerful. It's sort of like how like with WandaVision, you already knew like it's not going to end well. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what makes it so compelling and really strong. And Invincible has that same energy because now we actually know that it didn't end well. I mean, it ended well, but it doesn't end well (laughs) for like a couple thousand people, (laughs) maybe a couple million. And there's just a lot of like, I don't know, there's like a lot of excitement for season two, even like how, what was the, what was his name? The, the, the guy Seth from Rogan. Basic, 
Seth Rogen, yeah, his character, <laughs> his how he shows up for a minute. Oh, man. <laughs> this show has so many great characters. Yeah. Just like in like 15 minutes. It's and Seth Rogen is such a good VA. He just play. he always sounds like your friend that you really enjoy playing video <laughs> games with because he always has the good like interactions. I think he's a producer on this show too. I think Seth Rogen produced The Boys. I can't remember. He did Boys. He did Preacher. He did. Then he probably did this yeah. too. I mean, he's, he's a big uh, clearly nerd. a Garth Ennis fan. So I'm sure he's also a Kirkman fan. Yeah, I don't know. It's just good, dude. And like, there's so so much stuff. What else is there um, to talk about? Like, so it's great. I mean, just just for context, for for some reason, if you're listening to this and haven't watched it, um, basically it all comes to Omni Man fesses up to killing um, the Guardians. He explains that his reason for doing it is the planet he's from, Viltrum. The whole show, he's been like, oh, Viltrum just sends out heroes to help uh, different planets. And then it's revealed that his planet he comes from, what they did is they had a calling where they all just fought each other to the death. And all of the strongest people who survived then, you know, were just the strongest um, blinks. And I guess, I, I suppose they're the other ones who then went on to repopulate Viltrim. Uh, but they, you know, they started conquering planets and reforming them in their image. And the form of like making the planet better is better, quoting taking marks. taking over the planet and like basically providing being their rulers and taking over yeah. and providing them what they need. It's very much Super Saiyans from Dragon Ball and how Super Saiyans function. And but but yeah, but we don't know how truthful it even is because Seth Rogen's character mentions that his whole planet was destroyed. Right, that's um, right. When they would, so who knows? Um, but basically, his planet is Darwinism on steroids. <laughs> That's essentially what yeah. Ultram is. And so he killed the Guardians, you know, to help make way for this for their coming invasion eventually. And he wants Mark to to join him in this quest. And in my one thought watching this moment where Mark has this great little moment where he defies his father and he says, No, I don't care if I live to be a million years old, like I'm not gonna help you. And his whole father, his whole father's whole position is like, well, what's the what is the value of human life in the grand scheme of things? If they're going to be dead in less than a hundred years, everyone you know is going to be dead, and Almighty Viltrum is all that's going to be left. What's the point? And uh, Mark is very much his mother's son. He has taken more after his mother than his father in all the ways that count. Where he has absorbed all of his mother's teachings and lessons, he is he has inherited his her humanity the same way that he has inherited his father's abilities and powers. And what, when talking to my pastor about this, um, to, to get a little ahead, he, my pastor, what he wanted is he's like, I really want to hear what Mark's eventual true rebuttal to his father's point is going to be. Because all he has in the moment is just emotion. He has, there's something inside of him that's like, no, this is wrong. It is wrong to kill all these people. These are human beings. Even if their lives are not that long, right. there's still inherent value in letting them live that out, you know? And of course, it leads to what everyone is going to remember is just the horrific violence that we keep referencing. What makes it so horrific is it is Omni-Man just viciously murdering human beings in such a careless, non-passionate way. Right. Like the big, the first indication of like this Like the is, equivalent of like just stepping on ants. 
which yeah. makes me sick already <laughs> just to even say or and that's what he's doing is just basically stepping on ants or like when you're playing with the sims and you like take away like the <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the ladder in the, the pool, pool so they can't get out yeah this is <laughs> or, that remember that do you remember that one sims post that was the person makes him a house but then he makes him a hedge maze around the house <laughs> and then like he, he has to work in like an hour so he has to like the sim is programmed to have to go to work so it goes and leaves the house but <laughs> oh it gets God. lost in the hedge maze but then work is over so it has to go home but it's lost in the hedge maze so it can never go to work or go home <laughs> so omni man would see no problem with that yeah he would, he would see no problem with um what is it mr mr i was gonna Skeleton's say mr bones is a wild, wild yeah, ride mr. Bones wild ride where it moves at one mile per hour and it takes like 200 years yeah, to ride the ride yeah. it's that it's that with gore what's wrong with that <laughs> filtrum filtrum quality it's perfect it's better than if they're wasting in our lives and something else you know um uh, it's uh, it's that it's basically that in the first moment except of, a lot more gory except horrific because mark invincible saves a pilot from a plane that and he's like thank you so much for saving my life right and only man just shows up and just one hand crushes his skull in front of mark and his guts fly all over mark's face and it's from there, it just gets worse. Yeah, so. and then Omni-Man goes, oops, I got to get the other one too. And then zooms off before Mark can even respond It's to like, you just, you, you have no compassion or care for humanity. You're my dad, dude. What's going on? It's, it's, it's heartbreaking on two levels. The first is, it's this, his father is not just his father. His father is his hero. He's his idol. Right. He early he wants on to be like show, him. He's, yeah. yeah, he has his mo- he's tearful. He's crying because he doesn't feel like he's living up to his father's expectations. He's not as good a hero as his dad is. And he's seeing that that's all fake. His dad's been faking it this whole time. And so everything he knows about his world is falling apart. His dad's not his dad. His hero's not his hero. His role model is just a fake. And he is powerless to stop it. He cannot stop his dad from killing thousands and thousands of people in front of him the most horrific one that we've referenced is he takes mark and just holds him in front of a train and there's this horrible scene where you just see waves of people hitting him and exploding and then afterwards there's a kid reaching for his mom and omni-man just steps on him and kills him and and the invincible can't do anything about it and he's still trying to save lives and he can't and it's it's inspiring in the sense that you see someone whose his heroism is knows no bounds he cannot do anything to stop him but he's still going to try yeah and it's in these moments that we really see him become invincible the hero that in theory yeah. he becomes invincible this is yeah. who invincible is supposed to be and his dad who has solved every i did not make this observation someone uh, a guy on youtube captain midnight made this observation where it makes total sense that audi man thinks this is going to change his son's mind because at this point what problems has he faced that he has not been able just to just beat up? <laughs> he solved every problem in his life through violence and blunt force. And he's trying to change his son the same way. Right. And he cannot. And so he's just on a cliff. And this is where all the memes come from. He's just punching Mark over and over again. And he's like, think this through. Think this through logically. And his son just, he cannot break his son's will. No matter how much his fist may break his son's face, he cannot break um, his sense of morality. And so my pastor and I were just waiting for the moment that Mark, whenever he sees his dad again, because um, the, the the beautiful you reference where, you know, his saying like, he's telling us something like, you know, what, what's going to still be here? Mom's going to be dead. Your friend's going to be dead. 
And his son just like weakly through broken, swollen face just says, I'll still have you. And there's a flashback oh, where it's like, making me emotional. Right I know. Now. It's I'm thinking so about it. Like, I'm like choking up, dude. It's, My it's, eyes. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's so beautiful because it's like the bond between father and son is still not broken. Despite everything his dad has done, yeah, it's still it's there. So evil. And it, but he still loves his dad. The most evil person to ever exist <laughs> yeah, on earth, arguably. So bad. But he sees his son's broken face. He's knocked his teeth out and it reminds him of the image of his son with baby teeth in when he's playing t-ball and so it's this beautiful moment where sandro is his dad is there at a baseball game who's comically jacked he's wearing a t-shirt and he's standing off to the side very rob layfield yeah. <laughs> yeah rob layfield shed a tear and he doesn't even know why somewhere um and he's like this is stupid this game is pointless what's the point because i mean if you're talking about the points of humanity nothing signifies that more than children's sports no one wins or loses. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, yeah. it's, you're just there to give the kids, make the kids feel good, you know? And she's talking, she gives this beautiful little monologue about like, you know, as we get older, we lose childlike wonder. We lose a sense of like what it's really all about. And she just like makes him watch. And for a brief moment, Omni-Man finally sees the value of humanity. And when he sees his son, this thing he's made, he's created this life, um, successfully hit it in the park home run. And he holds up his son and he's like, okay, I finally see it. And he's all this hits him all at the same time. And he's so overwhelmed, perhaps by the first time he's ever held these emotions. Because up to this point, we're given no indication he cares about anybody. He jokes about the guardians who've died. He calls his wife basically a pet. But in that moment, he's overwhelmed and he just flies away. And there's yeah. gr- he actually he sheds tears. He said yeah. tears yeah. and he just leaves. And we we're the audience have no idea what he's experiencing. We don't know why. He's yeah. Left. Where is he going? Is he going to Viltrum to say, like, we got to destroy them? Is he if he goes to Viltrum, would he be killed for basically abandoning his post, abandoning his post or even having feelings like because <laughs> he quite literally is the toxic rules. masculinity <laughs> and toxic masculinity is like feelings are inefficient. I will just hold it in. And then I'll be an alcoholic and probably kill a family by running them over. It's literally what he's doing. Get really into making boats in his garage (laughs) in a bottle. Um, Yeah, it's it's so that he's like like it's almost like freakier that he's gone because you're like, oh my gosh, this guy could fly through the core of the earth and blow it up (laughs) by just coming back. (laughs) It's just terrifying. Yeah, it's it's weirdly one of the most life affirming superhero things I've seen in a long time, partially because. We see the actual weight of loss more successfully than any live action. Oh, my goodness. Super yeah. film I've seen, except maybe like Logan, for example, where every single time Wolverine kills someone, it's terrible. But um, <laughs> here it's like, yeah, without a hero, the sense of safety is gone. But like the sheer destruction. And of course, they're playing out the fact that like, oh, yeah, it's everyone was always like, oh, man, yeah, man of steel when they break the buildings. Who knows? Here. Man, oh, man, do they not sh- shy away from showing what happens when a superhero breaks a building? Yeah. Um, children and women get crushed to death under rubble. It's horrible. And so they make you feel the weight of that loss. They make you feel the horror of what's taking place. Right. And in so doing, they affirm the value of human life. It's horrible when people die. It's horrible when they die on such a large scale. There's a great scene early on where we see Mark's first time doing a superhero thing where they're evading aliens. And he just goes, all right, I'm here to help. And no one stops because they're scared. So they're running and people are just getting shot in front of him. Their blood is splattering all over him. 
And it's like, oh man, this is serious stuff. When one person dies, they you feel the weight of that in a way that doesn't happen in almost anything else. Right. So when Mark is saying to his father and he's saying, like, these people, they have value. Um, it's powerful. And I'm and I'm what I'm hoping, and I'm saying this when I haven't read the comics, so I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm sure someone will tweet at us and be like, well, actually what happens is this, and it's horrible. But um what I'm holding out <laughs> hope for is, you know, Mark next time he sees his father, when he comes face to face with him he'll have something to say about the value of human life because in a weird way, we see the difference between a Darwinistic might makes right. You know, the strongest will survive worldview taken to his extreme versus this more idealistic. Like I can't Mark can't quite put a finger on it because he's not Christian. I'm assuming. Um, but he's like, there's something about human life that's value. And it doesn't matter if they're stupid or if they're not going to live forever or if they don't do or anything with like their lives. Sponges that just rip apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or if it, they're, they're like, you know, ants and they're, they're puppets to us. They're toys to us. But I know what I know is right. And so to me, that's so much more compelling than, you know, I don't know, just like the millions. Marvel of- movie character number six, just like kind of being a villain and then dying or something. Yeah, yeah I totally get it. It's, I totally get the it. The closest is Thanos, where he had like... For Infinity War, not for Endgame. Because <laughs> in Endgame, it's a different Thanos, so it doesn't matter. Well, there's matter. two Thanoses in the Endgame. Or literally any villain we've had so far in any of the DC live action films. <laughs> Black Manta is a cool costume, though. Man, that's a cool character. I want to see more of that character. But yeah, that's... um. That's invincible, man. And the, the 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 end point that I think really hits on the charm is um, <laughs> there. Seth Rogen's character is an alien who works for some company or something that like tests the defense it's like systems. Space of your CIA. <laughs> like we've had Earth CIA, but here's Space CIA, and that's that's who he works. He for. He comes and he fights, and like Marcus to fight him the first time they meet, and they quickly realizes something's off he's like stop stop he's like oh you're gonna use your timeout you get one timeout he's like what are you talking about <laughs> and then he's like oh i'm just here to test your defenses and then he's like all right bye and then so he shows up again later and he's like oh man i gotta warn you there's a viltrumite on your planet it's <laughs> like yeah i know <laughs> literally right after we just like everything happens it's there's we didn't even talk about the comedy in the show there's really good comedy in the show it's 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 funny it, it's 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 both it's funny yes but it's also like it's funny in that way that like it's funny because you like the characters so you sort of pick up on like the characters quirks and then right. also it's not marvel it's just punch funny fight where they don't have really relevance to the character it's like actual situations that are quite funny and yeah it's effective what what did you think of the the fact that like like how did you feel about the resolution post omni man leaving because it is pretty long we we learn a lot from these characters yeah. during that um, time. I thought all that stuff was great. And it's because it's, it speaks to the strength of the characters that they made. Right. Yeah. I mean, I want to know what happens with robot and monster girl. Um, I, we haven't really talked about Adam Eve, which is a shame because first off it's voiced by Gillian Jacobs from community. Who's just Britta again. Like, it's so funny how oh much goodness, like yeah. Britta it is. She's going to have a scene where she needs to do girl talk in the bathroom and every other character is like, no, this is, <laughs> we've given her a power she can't have. She can't uh, handle it. <laughs> I love community. But yeah, it's Britta? essentially, it's essentially Britta Perry again. Yeah. Where it's a, it's a idealistic, um, very strongly willed. Young woman. Young woman. I was, I, there's another word I'm trying to like, 
she wants to change the world, but doesn't quite have a grasp on how to do it. And so she ends up going and helping the environment and helping impoverished communities. Right. It's like, yay, Rita finally did it. <laughs> She's literally Sam at the end of Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> you have the power to literally change atoms. Why did you just build yourself up like a playhouse in a tree? You could just like totally change everything on the entire planet. She, and it would she, be yeah. better. And they show her doing a little bit where she criminally makes, like, underrated hero. Yeah. And she's underrating herself. She's probably like way more powerful than she thinks she is. They show her like making like barren wastelands like have vegetation again. Like, she could literally end world hunger tomorrow. Like, yeah, she's way too powerful. Uh, I love her dynamic with Mark, where they're just friends. Um, thank goodness. Yes. Thank, thank the Lord that it's not some weird love triangle thing, because we don't need more of those. <sighs> It'd be so um, boring. Men and women can be friends. <laughs> it's, yeah, and she, like, go, speaks on his behalf to Amber. Uh, Zazie beats his character. She's like, Mark's, Mark's a good dude. You just gotta give him a chance. Uh, there's a fun thing with Mark Hamill is in the show. Oh, he, yeah. Love one it. of his two voices that he does. Yeah. He's, <laughs> yeah. Luke Skywalker and Joker. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and he, he actually does a pretty good Chucky voice. But um, he's he's like the guy who makes all of the he's the guy who makes all the superhero and, and villain costumes. Apparently, they like offhand reference that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. They do. <laughs> he's like an offhand. He's like a long friend time friend of Omni Man. He feels betrayed. And so he's there to support Sandra O's character. Yeah. Um, all the resolutions are great. And uh, Mark's uh, best friend is a name. I can't remember. What's his name? Yeah, I can't remember either, but he was a really fun character. And he was the one that had the most classic 90s superhero cartoon design because of his hair. His hair made him look the most like he was ripped right out of Static Shock. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, he looks like um the Static's friend who yeah. gets superpowers eventually. Like, he's good at machines. I don't. Does he get super? I know he's just, he uses, yeah, I guess he does use machines, he, but I don't know if he gets superpowers. I think he's Basically, just they imply that because he spent so much time around Static and other villains, that a lot of the villains of Static Shock, and this is based on the cartoon, I've read the comics, um, it's like radiation or whatever, from, right? Yeah, from some sort explosion. of radiation. So he's been exposed to so much of that low-level radiation, it enhanced the abilities that were already there. So because That's he was cool. already smart, it made him smarter. Um, <laughs> so, so he built like big, he built gadgets. Big brain time, dude. Yeah. <laughs> we just went from big brain to galaxy brain. I think he's, I think he's voiced by Scott Melville in the in Sag Shock. But it, yeah, so he's in the show and uh, not Sag Shock. Um, <laughs> Mark's yes, really. Mark. And they they give him they again they do tropes well they give him a, they give him a gay best friend but he's like it's just a thing about him it very rarely ever comes up outside of the context of like when it's really relevant yeah like one particular episode yeah yeah the, the, like his he's but he actually like tells Mark the things he needs to hear like yeah being like look you're lame you're making horrible <laughs> decisions you need yes. to you need to work it out man um and he has one of the first great post Omni-Man losing his mind scenes where like, like Omni-Man is like covered in blood. He's like, where's Mark? And William's like, hi. <laughs> yeah. Visit us. He's in the car and he's stuck. And then yeah. yeah. Shows hi, up. Mr. Grayson. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. <laughs> but yeah, everyone, everyone has gets a great little resolution. And the final line of the show is excellent where they have a super cut where Seth Rogen's character is like, what are you going to do now, man? And they have a super cut of like all these horrible things are happening. Um, an alien race they fought earlier on is going to come back and invade. Uh, one of the lower level villains who like his body is covered in rocks is taken over the underworld and he's like seizing power. We see that the evil mad scientist is making more robots. 
Um, there's so many horrible things on the horizon. And Mark's just like, I guess I gotta finish high school. And it's just, yeah, that's right. it's, it's, it's the, all the charm of the show where Mark at the end of the day, he feels like a 17 year old kid who's just in way, way over his head. Right. And suddenly his world is completely falling apart and he, but he's mature enough to give his mom space when she needs to cry. He has good friends that he's, uh, he confides in, he shared his secrets with, and it's just, it's, it's just, uh, life goes on. It's a great <laughs> coming of age arc for him it's yes. really good because he goes basically from the childlike like excitement of i have superpowers to learning the responsibility of who he is yes and exactly. then by the end it's frankly totally reasonable that he's like i guess i'll finish high school it's <laughs> what else can you do like, yeah he, like sometimes you just have to wait i mean isn't that even one of the lines in the episode it's like you sort of just have to wait till the next thing happens so just go home and chill or maybe yeah. this was in yeah or no that was in falcon which i thought was a good narrative point was like they just have to wait till like the freaking um uh the terrorist group just sort of showed up again to do yeah. anything you gotta wait till the golden gate bridge catches fire or another meteorite's right. on its way <laughs> and that's like good you know. i think you, you gotta go live your life man um so yeah it was a great show can't wait to watch it again and i'm looking forward to season two me too, but it's also so good that if they never made any more episodes, it'd still be a satisfying watch. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And quick sidebar before we cut into our recommendations at this point, it is important to mention that humanity does in fact have inherent value created in the image <laughs> of God. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. Christ died for you and uh, he independently creates, basically creates your value and enhances your value apart from just being one of God's creation to having died for you right um and so obviously mark's not gonna just be like omni man it's because of jesus it's, i have value it's like that but, one episode of uh, uh rick and morty were on the train and like what's the worst thing that could happen to rick and morty did you, did you see that no i i have not i've watched maybe eight episodes of season one or maybe um, the entirety of season one i can't remember there's a i can't write they, they're really scheduled so horrible it's hard to keep but there's an episode where like they're stuck in some sort of simulation or something. And they're like, what's the worst thing that could happen to Rick and Morty? And then they cut to a scene where like being surrounded by villains. And they're like, is this the end of our story? And Rick's like, well, maybe this one, but it's not the greatest story. You see, he just launches a deal full of gospel presentation. <laughs> That's awesome. My pastor has also seen all of Rick and Morty. And so we had a really fascinating, my pastor has some weird media habits. Like he, he will like up, he won't we watch. We should have him on the show. We should maybe. I don't know if he wants to do that. I don't know if he wants to out himself as we could, some sort of We could of pick a show that is appropriate. Safer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's like, it's, I'm not a big fan of the Jesus juke, um, but I will say that like what is good, what is one of the wonderful things about having the truth of Christ in your life is that when confronted with, because there's so many people who probably watch that and they're just like, uh, Invincible is right. And they, but they don't have the words. They don't, they can't right. articulate fully beyond like, well, come on, that's messed up. What is it a general revelation that all people would recognize inherently that there is value to humanity but they might not have the specifics they might not have the reason why um they might not even have experienced the love that asserts why they have value um which is definitely a pervasive thing i'm coming to find the more conversations i have with people is that they they are depressed and anxious because they don't feel like they have inherent value and worth and they actually feel that the things they do diminish their inherent value and worth which is deeply sad because in some cases they're learning that from poor religious upbringing that implies that 
the more bad things they do, like almost the more they have to do good or else they'll never reach that point of value and worth. And then in Invincible, like it's the last episode, apart from the, the dramatic visuals, it is feeding um, both Omni-Man and Invincible's philosophical argument that's going on with lots of punching involved that like Omni man saying like they don't have inherent value. They don't matter. What's the point. Let's just make their lives a little better. Even if it's at the cost of a couple billion or trillion people. (laughs) Yeah. And then Mark saying, no, like actually like, no, they do in some, in his actions, he's saying that he's not necessarily using the words, which like you said, is probably the exact situation that most audience members have, which is, they might not have the words, but they would like to think that they could handle a couple punches from Omni Man <laughs> and just say, like, no. Right. I don't know. Well, it's it's interesting because like Omni Man is blind to the fact that like looking around him, like, what's wrong with what you're doing? Take a look around. But he right. can't see it's that. It's right there. You know? It's right in front of you. But yeah, like when you when you remove God from the equation, you it's tough to find a, why shouldn't the strongest survive? Why shouldn't humanity right. be made stronger by the calling of the weak? You know, and sure, a lot of people can come up with a philosophical reason for it, or they might be able to to have some sort of reason for it. I mean, I think someone in the 40, 1940s had a reason for it. <laughs> um, I can't remember well, who it was, but it's someone that a lot of people on the very, 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 very far right would say <laughs> that he got it right. But I, um, you know, <laughs> I, I think he's wrong, but <laughs> yeah, with all due respect to Winston Churchill, um, but, <laughs> <There you go. laughs> uh, but like with the reality that like you're, yeah, you're filthy, run filthy. You're, you're fearfully, wonderfully made in the image of God formed in the right. palm of his hand, knitted together in your mother's room before the pillars of the universe were, were put in place. God knew you, you know, and that, right gives people inherent value and right. that and that informs how we then go out in the world and treat others you know to look upon another and to you know to quote lay Miz to see the face of god but also to like not even look, just quoting lay Miz, you're quoting like genesis 36 <laughs> yeah. with like jacob twice one chapter after another actually sees the face of god i've seen the face of god right esau forgives him i've seen the face of god yeah. And well, I'm going right now with the, the church college group. We're going through the gospel comes with the house key uh, by Rosaria Butterfield. And one of the, one of her big points is to, the way that we look at others. And, you know, our, when we see those who are weaker than us, when we see those who are in need, our hearts should be moved. We should, when we see people who do not know the Lord, we should be moved to, to share the gospel with them. You know, shout out to Logan Sharp today. who's tweeting about, you know, it's, it's one thing to, to look at people and be like, have your heart break for the lost, but like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, are you sharing the gospel? Are you going out there and doing something about it? You know, in a scenario where Omni Man and Invincible are fighting, you know, do we really want to be people standing on the sidelines going, man, like, oh, that looks terrible? You know, <laughs> you know, like if if yeah. the world is falling apart, do you want to run into the do you want to run into the flames and save as many people as you can? You know, well, it's like Spider uh, Sam Raimi Spider Man. People of New York defending you Spider-Man. Spider-Man. You best with New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Except I don't know if it would go over well. God, God bless post 9-11 <laughs> cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Those movies are so good, dude. They They're feel so, so good. <laughs> New York at least feels like a real place, though, in those yeah, movies. I don't know. think New York has ever felt like a real place since 1 through 3. I mean, it's even 3, 
I mean, it feels well, like a type of New York. It, here's where, you know, <laughs> just Raimi's version. We keep hinting at it, but one day we'll talk about this. The Marvel Netflix shows do a great job of making New York feel like a living, breathing place full of people. Luke Cage, like his neighborhood is his own character almost. And if they were to get rid of that, you lose so much of New York, in my opinion. But that's an episode for another time. But, but yeah, just in case anyone is confused. Yeah. Melvin and I are saying human life has a value <laughs> created by God. <laughs> that's God breathed. We disagree yeah, with not... Omni-Man and his stance that we should let aliens come and destroy all of human life. And in um, case someone takes me out of context <laughs> for the sake of the joke I made um, five minutes ago, I also disagree with Adolf Hitler. <laughs> and Stalin. And, Stalin. and <laughs> Churchill, who didn't Mussolini. like a lot of other people. Um, and a fair amount of the... Uh, Racists that have also participated in running the United States. It's very, well, yeah, very yeah. Human <laughs> human beings are fallen, and you give human beings power, and it just ruins them. What a surprise! I think that's a general general rule of thumb. Yeah, and somewhere all the theo- theo- with theonomists just got chilled on the spine. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm not a theonomist uh, for the record, but. You just need to read a couple freaking books from the Old Testament to find out giving people too much power might might not be a good idea. No, yeah. Solomon, I guess in theory, makes sense, but... Should should we have a king to rule over us, to tax us, you know? <laughs> and they're warned. They're like, yeah, kings are great. <laughs> yeah, God's like, they're going to send your sons to war. They're going yeah. to take your money and your land. But okay. <laughs> so what's, what do you got recommended for us today? Oh, geez. Um, recommendation. So uh, I'm going to recommend two books uh, today. Uh, to start with, I'm going to give a recommendation for commentaries. Now, I have so far been recommending, I think I've predominantly recommended specific Bible commentaries, specific books, correct? Yes. Yeah, I think you had a Romans one, a Galatians one, and I can't remember the third, but yes, most for the most part, two out of three at least. Okay, so I'm going to recommend a one-volume commentary. Now, oftentimes, if you're trying to prepare for a Bible study or you're trying to just get a quick reference, uh, maybe you don't want to pour through a complicated commentary that has a lot of stuff about language or whatever. So sometimes you just want a quick reference. Uh, For that, I will recommend the Believer's Bible Commentary by William MacDonald. It is a wonderful pastorly uh, commentary. It very quickly breaks things down in a easy to understand way it simultaneously gives you all the detail you need while being a quick read uh it is endorsed by both john MacArthur and warren wearsby so if you want a good uh, if you want a good range of the type of people that use this commentary uh it covers every book of the bible genesis through revelation in a way that is uh both has depth but also is an easy breeze i used it a lot when i was doing uh youth group uh and and uh sunday school via zoom or times where I just didn't have time to like pour over through many, many volumes and tomes. It's a great one volume commentary. It's relatively inexpensive. I believe Christian book was selling it for between 20 and $25. It's a wonderful addition to any library and it's been updated uh, probably a million times at this point. And there's also lots of little details in there. He includes some famous quotes from church fathers. He'll quote hymns and stuff as well in there. Uh, great commentary. Uh, highly recommend that. As for my other recommendation, I'm sure you can hear papers rustling. There's there's a lot of books coming out these days. Am I right, Melvin? Bazinga. Yes, you are. <laughs> oh, man, this is banter. It's horrible. Um, <laughs> and so there's there's tons of books coming out right now. They're dealing with so many hot-button issues. Uh, Fault Lines came out recently. 
Um, and there's probably, by the time I'm done with the sentence, going to be 10 more books talking about race and race relationships and stuff. Uh, however, I think there should be a good book that covers all these issues in an easy to understand way and at a level that even a teenager can understand. So for them, recommending 10 questions every teen should ask and answer about Christianity it's by Rebecca McLaughlin. Uh, she is gaining a lot of uh, support and prevalence in Christian circles. Name is familiar. I'm actually, as you're talking, I'm going to go look on my shelf. <laughs> I think I have one from her. So keep going. You got this. <laughs> okay. I'm going to vamp while you're gone. Um, but so her, she, she I writes. Do. Oh, I have one. It's oh, called Confronting Christianity. That Confronting Christianity. So double, double uh, support for her as an author. Continue. Okay, cool. Um, I love, if you may have, this, the theme of this recommendation section is brevity. I love getting to the point, cut to the chase. Um, I'm a busy guy with lots of stuff going on, as Melvin will tell you. Uh, <laughs> the poor guy has to keep rescheduling all the recordings around me. Which is why we've recorded several episodes in the last two weeks. And so yeah, we have a so. break for like a month. <laughs> <laughs> so thoughtful of you. Um, and so she, her book, she covers pretty much every possible hot button issue you can think of. She covers gender identity. She covers homosexuality. She covers abortion. She covers uh, racism. And she does it in a very even-handed, fair way that everyone if you're a Christian can get behind and it helps teenagers specifically though. I think there's a lot of uh, value to be read as an adult, how to address this. Because one thing that if you are sending your kid to public school or you just have kids that are involved in the culture anyway, uh, there are so many things that are getting thrown at them all the time. You have no idea. If you're on the internet, you're getting so many things thrown. If at you them. are on the internet, you're already doomed. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's too late. Um, it's too late, man. <laughs> Uh, I'm learning more and more from talking to parents and stuff that they just, they're at a loss for what to do yeah. with their kids because unless they choose borderline isolationism, uh, there's just no way to sort of shield them from all these things. So this is a great book. Yeah. It helps you uh, start those conversations with your kids or kids in your church or um, anyone you're a guardian over. And it also helps you sort of quickly uh, refine your own thoughts on these things. Uh, the difficulty is, and this is where, old people are getting really left behind is that the nature of these topics and issues is constantly morphing and changing. When you even think about how we talk about um, sexuality now versus how we talked about even five or 10 years ago, it's just so bizarre crazy how quickly it morphs and changes. Yeah. And I like to think of myself as a pretty plugged in guy, but I, even I am trying to and failing to just keep up with everything. It's changing so quickly that parents and People, just older people in church, just they, they, it's not even that they can't keep up with the conversation. It's like another language at this point. Yeah. And so that's how we're losing the culture war in so many ways. I mean, it's very much, and, and because it's scary for some people, it's, um, it's hard for them to, I mean, it's one of the big purposes of this podcast is Act 17, uh, the Paul and the Areopagus getting to know the culture and then responding to it. And it can be hard to keep up. But as we're learning, we're able to keep up with and speak to it. And all, one key factor is, unfortunately, some of the people who do keep up lose the compassion that Paul has yes, in talking yeah. to them. And so there's Christians who don't want to keep up with it because they don't want to become bitter. And then there's Christians who do keep up with it who are then drawn towards the lack of compassion that Jesus carries all the time. Yeah. And, I, and you know, going back to Rosario Butterfield, like one of the things she talks about is like, she's not coming out there to, to change behavior. You know, she's spoken out against things like uh, conversion therapy and stuff, which I agree, you know, I agree with her on these where the way she came to know the Lord is she 
spent for like two years, she met with this pastor and they just had dinner. She had dinner at their house and they never shared the gospel with her, so to speak. But they treated her with such Christ-like love that when it came time to have those difficult conversations, she was ready to hear it and she was willing to hear it from them. So yeah, there's something to be said about like when you stare into that abyss of modern culture that it just jades you to everything. You just right. become so, your heart becomes so hardened um, and not losing that to not lose that sense of, you know, Charles Spurgeon talks about, he has a thing called, you know, if sinners be damned where he said like, if sinners be damned, let not one go unprayed for, let not one, you know, go not hearing the word. If they're to enter the gates of hell, let them do it with our hands wrapped around their ankles, you know? And so, please do not lose sight of what the point here is. You know, um, these conversations don't exist so you can argue with people. These conversations exist so that you can engage and build bridges with people. So right. that if you ever do need to give someone um, some difficult, tough love or have a difficult conversation, that it can take place within the right context of a loving conversation between two friends and not, you know, two adversaries screaming at each other, which I know that's just Twitter, but <laughs> that's, you know. Um, anyway, what's your recommendations, Melvin? Mine's kind of amorphous in the sense that I'm just recommending people go to the gym. Um, I what not, the heck is this show, Mel? Uh, <laughs> so what's that's, happening? To that's us? what the recommendations are, man. It's it's just stuff that's going on that we just feel like could be helpful. <laughs> I think I'm recommending gym exercise or just forms of exercise. I've been going to the gym since coming since being at and coming back from the center um, from my inpatient stay. Apart from just the general logistics and statistics, or not stat, I guess not statistics, but stats, uh, as if the world was a video game. But like, you know, apart from the fact that like, yeah, cool, I've lost 20 pounds and like gained some muscle, working out um, just uh, scientifically produces more serotonin in your brain. And serotonin is the chemical for your passive feel good. Mm. It is your passive okay. okay feeling. It's the I sit in a room and I feel safe kind of sensation. Um, when that runs low, you're having basically a passive, I'm in danger feeling. That's a lot of what I had before the center. And <laughs> and that was compounded with many other things, um, which Bo Burnham's inside will be much more useful to, to extrapolate on. But going to the gym, because it also helps produce more serotonin in your brain when you're not at the gym, it's also... It just makes you feel safer. It makes you feel good just by doing nothing. Now, the statistics that were often brought up uh, at the center was just that when it came to comparing people who exercise versus people who don't and how they felt about life and their themselves, the people who did 30 minutes of light exercise a week felt marginally better than the ones who didn't. Now, the 30 minutes of exercise was a light to brisk walk. <laughs> and that is 30 minutes a week, a light to brisk walk outside. That is something a lot of people very much can do. Um, night walking is very peaceful and, and calming, especially if you live in a busy area because now it's calm and sweet. Day walking is nice because you get to enjoy the sun, which by the way, produces also serotonin as the uh, light is basically going into your eyes your body is like taking that in and it's really good. It's sort of like why, like if you're in a cloudy day and the sun comes out, you just smile and you don't really know why it's because your body's like, heck yeah, dude, I'm a plant. I need this, but you're not really a plant. Maybe you're a lizard though. I don't know, but it's, it's good. Exercise is good. I guess this is more of just a public health statement, but <laughs> the gym in particular, like I lost 20 pounds and that's been basically 
over four or five months now, but within the first two months, I lost 15 and that was going two to three times a week. Just some cardio and a couple of weight, weights, lifting and machines. And it's hard to get past that particular phase of like, it's embarrassing that I can't lift 10 pounds or 20 pounds. It's okay. Everybody was there. And what's more important is your physical health and your mental health than what someone else thinks of you, which I get is part of mental health. I get that. <laughs> but when you can have a passive increase in your serotonin, it's a lot easier to overcome. Oh, no, is someone judging me right now? So, yeah, totally recommend it. If Planet Fitness, I think, starts at like $10 a month. And if not then, and you're like a listener for in high school, I don't know why you're listening to an Invincible episode. If it's like ninth grade, maybe 12th grade makes more sense for watching Invincible. But these days. Your, your school probably has a gym, <laughs> but like... A couple of boomers over here complaining about kids now. But um, no, I mean, your, your high school probably has a really good gym that you can just visit after school. I, I was even thinking like, oh, man, if I use the gym at my high school, I physically would be a lot healthier right now. I'm quite healthy, but I could have just done that like two hours a day after school if I was interested. And they had a good gym. So that's definitely my recommendation is bare minimum, increase those serotonin levels. My actual recommendation looking look into getting a gym membership so next week can i just like recommend like hug your mom three times you know or yes just absolutely dude totally i'm never doing that <laughs> i've thought of stuff like that like call your mom <laughs> i recommend getting a job getting your hair cut do you hippies <laughs> Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.